This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shouldn't you be at work? It's a lovely chip! Oh, it's a brilliant goal from Lord Pohino! Still it's not away. Southgate shot. Milosevic scores. Now you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, Hello and welcome back to the second episode of the fourth series of Quickly Kevin Will He Score. I'm Chris Gold, joining me Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And the Jim Magilton of Retro Football Podcasting, it's Michael Mard. Hello. I've just been back through listening to all the old tops of the old episodes because we're researching what we want to put in our live show. And I didn't realise that we've somehow lost along the way the rumours about who Michael is as an opening intro gag. I'm now now getting nostalgic the early days of Quickly Kevin. How has this happened? <laughs> wheels within wheels. Um, exciting announcements to start. So today we are joined uh, by Alex Brooker. It's a wonderful episode that we've just really enjoyed uh, recording in which he discusses the worst ever Arsenal 11 of the 90s and we keep getting sidetracked into Championship Manager. <laughs> um, next week, is it your favourite interview we've ever done? Yes. We travelled up to Manchester a couple of weeks ago and on Saturday morning we interviewed Gary Neville and I've got to say we'll talk more about this next week but genuinely one of the most entertaining funny intelligent and charismatic people I've ever met wonderful human being but our other announcement is this week on Wednesday and Thursday we are doing our only two live shows left this year this is at Hackney Empire and we've already announced that on Thursday the guest is Barry Fry on Wednesday the guest is scorer on the night when Arsenal beat Liverpool 2-0 to begin the 90s in 1989. Alan Smudger-Smith. Smudge. Who, um, I have it on good authority from my friend at The Telegraph, is an absolutely smashing bloke. It yes. will be a wonderful night. I yeah. can't wait to spend a bit so, of time with Smudge. Come to both. Uh, you will get the same first half, but it will be slightly tweaked in the second day if things don't fly in the first. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a ticket, get onto the Hackney Empire website. Just Google, quickly, Kevin, Hackney Empire, 7th and 8th of November. There's only a few left, but some have been released in the stalls. Do get them. 
sharpish because the only other ones left are right up in the gods. Right, do you want some correspondence? I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Okay, so this is a trail in a way for the live shows because we've received an email from James Mason on our favourite subject of the day Yuri Geller took Michael Jackson to Exeter City. Hi, I'm Uri Geller. I'm about to teach you something quite extraordinary. Now, we will be talking about this in the live show. However, I'm just going to read this out. Loving the podcast, guys. I've been especially interested when you were discussing Michael Jackson's visit to Exeter City, mainly because I was at uni in Exeter at the time and attended the event. I've dug up the programme, photos of which are attached. If you're interested in e-scans, let me know. Best bit of the programme is Yuri's piece on his friendship with Michael Jackson, mainly for his unnecessary listing of all the celebs that attended his wedding. (laughs) (laughs) To give you a taster of Yuri's really, really lengthy, about 10-page long piece in the programme about Michael Jackson, I'll just read you the passage about his wedding. My manager, Shippy, who is also my brother-in-law, had posted security guards all around the perimeter grounds. We were tolerating half a dozen paparazzi, who were pointing lenses like cannon barrels over the privet hedge with screens of the house from the Thames, and there were a few girls perched on the riverbank trees too, with nothing to see but a marquee and a helicopter. Once or twice, the magician David Blaine floated outside for interviews, and I do mean floated. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't yet seen David Blaine levitate, then you've got a real shock in store. My guest commented that I seemed nervous, and I was, but not about getting married. Hannah and I had been together for 30 years, and I felt I was probably ready for the commitment. (laughs) What concerned me was a call from the Israeli source warning there might be a terrorist attack on the wedding. What? Source? I took the warning very seriously and engaged all precautions. Scotland Yard referred me to the local police. Let's put it that way. That isn't what happens when (laughs) they think it's a big event, is it? Yeah. But the thing you is, you don't feed down the chain of command. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if I was worried about an event I was like hosted, and I rang Scotland Yard, and I was clearly a crank, they'd go ring ye local police. Is <laughs> yeah. that you again, Yuri? <laughs> uh, some internationally famous people were there. Aside from Michael Jackson, the Formula One driver Nigel Mansell, <laughs> Sir David Frost, Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics, the horror writer James Herbert, and Dido's producer. <laughs> Now, we were talking about have you ever been in a footballer's house? Yep. Very quick one from Paul Franklin. My parents were friends of the former QPR West Ham Newcastle United and once England capped international forward Paul Goddard. He played for Ipswich Town in the 90s. We used to visit his home. I remember that he had a huge Great Dane called Hovis, who was so big that we would sit on his back and ride around on him. <laughs> That's a donkey, mate. He <laughs> can't ride around on him. I also got to wear his England cap. Cheers, Paul Franklin. Uh, I feel like if you were old enough to be able to grip onto a Great Dane, you're too old to be able for the Great Dane to take your weight. Well, bear in mind, the first time I read this, I misread it, and I thought Paul Goddard rode around on Ovis. <laughs> he didn't have a car. <laughs> I had visions of the ones caps Paul Goddard riding around on a great dane called Hovis. Never in my wildest dreams when we started this podcast did I imagine we'd be talking about Paul Goddard riding a great dane. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, do we want one quick do you remember this right? Yes please. Do I remember this right? Do I remember this right? Do I remember this right? 
Do I remember this right? Dear Josh, Chris and Michael, back in primary school, we went on a school tour of Main Road. The tour was taken by their former goalkeeper turned community ambassador, Alex Williams. Early in the tour, I believe we were sat in the stands copying the Man City seating pattern onto graph paper. He told a story of a... <laughs> Absolute classic school day out there, isn't it? <laughs> he told a story of a player who'd been tackled during a game, fallen backwards, hit his head and swallowed his tongue. This scared the hell out of me as a nine-year-old child. I didn't know this was even a thing. For the rest of the day, to my memory at least, around half of his anecdotes seemed to end with the phrase, and then he fell back, hit his head and swallowed his tongue. <laughs> As if it was his catchphrase. <laughs> to see if I remember this right, I recently brought it up with my longtime friend Liam, who, before I'd even mentioned it, interrupted and exclaimed he'd spent several years as a child traumatised that he would die swallowing his tongue playing football following that school trip. <laughs> so, do I remember this right? Was there an epidemic of 90s footballers swallowing their tongues? <laughs> it's similar to the metatarsal epidemic of the early noughties. <laughs> There really was. I remember it happening a lot and players would be like heroes for pulling the tongue out of a player who'd swallowed his tongue. Isn't it one of those ones that happened once and then everybody there was sort of a precautionary tale so you'd get told about it. It was a really big thing. I was scared of it when I was a kid. If you know about anyone who's swallowed their tongue in a 90s football context or beyond, hello at Quickly Kevin. Also, just to be clear, we're not making light of it. But what we're asking is, is this something we imagined that it kept happening? Yeah. Because I haven't heard about it in decades. We need to settle this once and for all. If you want to get in touch with us, here is how. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Now, we are delighted to welcome to Quickly Kevin Willie Score. He's appeared for us on a live show, but it's his first time making his debut proper. Please welcome the best presenter on Last Leg, Mr. Alex Brooker. But yes, Alex, yes. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Delighted spend enough time you. with you, Josh. So. I know. Well, we had you on the live show. Where you yeah, were. it was brilliant. Really enjoyed it. I like the eclectic mix of old shirts that were in the crowd. I thought Some you were going to say middle-aged men. You <laughs> were. <laughs> Some of them, let's be honest, slightly too tight. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got old Arsenal shirts? My first one was like 94, 95. That would no fit. I mean, I was a, I was a fat kid, but I'm a fatter adult. So <laughs> part of me wishes I'd have been a fatter kid. But I think the, ones that, the earliest one that still fits me, like when I was like 17, I was like massive. I was about like 15, so my 0102 shirt still fits me. Have you still got them all? Uh, I've got a couple of them, yeah. I had to throw out... No, this isn't technically 90s football. I had to throw out my 2005-2006 T-shirt the other day because it just... it's you, And no matter how many times I washed it, it still smelled of B.O. <laughs> oh, I've had shirts and, like that. And it was just ingrained in it. <laughs> yeah, and I just that. thought, that season... Like, it was the last season at Highbury did I just sweat more? <laughs> was I so upset about us leaving Highbury that I've just sweat more? And it stunk, and I just thought, I really love that shirt. But just as it, it stunk the drawer out. With shirts like that, I find that when you start to get hot, it actually intensifies the BO from the shirt. It releases yeah, a new it level does, of BO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex, tell us about names you've had on shirts. Names? I had, I've only ever had Burkamp 10 on the back. Only ever? Only ever had... Dennis Bergkamp and I'll tell you why I stopped I didn't have another one after it 
was because um, my stepmum washed it in with something that obviously was re- also red, but dyed. So the writing on the back went pink. And I got like loads of people like just took the mickey out of me <laughs> for having Burkamp 10 in, in, in pink. pink. But even worse than that, my brother Ashley is a Liverpool fan. He was getting Collymore on the back of his shirt at the time. And he was like, what number's Collymore? And I was like, I don't know, 10. <laughs> he went and got Collymore 10 on the back of his shirt. So not only did he have the wrong number instead of number eight, but he also had pink writing. <laughs> <laughs> he got absolutely bullied at school for it. Did you have names and numbers? Yeah, Martin Allen, Steve Lomas. Oof. The thing is about getting numbers, I two really indifferent players. Yeah, <laughs> and I know them now, and I'll tell them that to their faces. <laughs> I'll tell the only other thing I had on the back of my shirt. This is pathetic, but I had Champions 04 oh, put on the no, back. I hate it gets worse. You're going to hate me more. Oh, you got printed in I, March. I got it printed the morning of when we were playing Tottenham away, and I think New, Chelsea had Newcastle at St James's Park, and it was when Shearer scored that 90th minute equaliser, yeah. and then all we had to do was draw at White Hart Lane. And I had that on the back of my shirt, but I had it like covered up in the hoodie until, until the end of the game. <laughs> oh, what, and you went out. Yeah, I was watching it in the students' union in Liverpool. I hated myself. There was, I'm sure, there was like um, a Newcastle fans that had like Champions '96 or whatever it was. Keegan had a tattoo. Kevin Keegan didn't have a tattoo. Did no, '96. So a, ta- a fan got a tattoo of Ke- like Keegan with like Champions '96 written on the back. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. That's that. That is one for. Do I remember this right? But yeah, I'm sure I someone think, did. I think didn't a Newcastle fan get a tattoo of Andy Cole just before he moved to Manchester? Yeah, yeah, that definitely happened. Did that happen? I remember reading in the newspapers. <laughs> I mean, that's your own fault. But one of those, like, big portrait, those horrible portraits (laughs) that tattooists do, and a week later he'd been sold to Man United. (laughs) Can I get this straight to Keith Gillespie? Yeah, (laughs) that's it. It's all right, you can do it. I've got got a tattoo of that Newcastle fan punching a horse on my back. (laughs) That'll never go out of date. Um, Michael, have you told the story before on here about your name and number on the back of a shirt? I don't think I have, no. I might have said it at the live show. Go on. So I've only ever had one name on the back of a shirt, and that was a, a regen player from Championship Manager. <laughs> who, I, I, brought, I brought him through the youth ranks, and in one season he scored the winning goal in the Champions League final, and he scored the winning goal in the World Cup final in the same season, and he dedicated them both to me. <laughs> so, so I went out and got his name on the back of a Man United shirt, and people would come up to me and go, why have you got Chambers on the back of your Man United shirt? Yeah. So, yeah, this, this is a bad idea. <laughs> did you explain it? I did the first few times, and I just stopped wearing the shirt. <laughs> did you play Championship Manager, Alex? Yes, I played it really, really early. So, like when I was about, was it must have been about ten? My best friend Alex and his brother they had an Amiga, and it was like we'd go around it and we'd spend all day playing like Champ Manager ninety three, ninety four. And I think to myself back then. But like I struggle now with the current like football managers. Yeah, I've got I've had to revert back to Champ Manager ninety seven ninety eight. Yeah, me too. Great game going with Wigan at the moment. <laughs> it's um I've had to revert back to it. But I think to myself at ten, how tactically aware was I to to have been playing that in my summer holiday? Yeah. And the other day when I was playing, I was I started a game as Newcastle. That was the first game I played when I re-downloaded uh, ninety seven ninety eight. And I was trying to remember the tactics that I used. Oh, I remember mine. What was Thin. It? There's no no need for width. What are you talking about? Yeah. Everyone played three at the back, two wing backs, yes. two in the middle, attacking midfield, yeah. and two up front. And it, Who I, isn't I, doing I, that? You do the lines like the an M. Oh, like, 
the old end with the the wing backs going forward, yeah, and then the two central midfielders kind of going, going out, out to meet them. Yeah, and I used to think the fun they have in those corners <laughs> when they're like, "Oh, you again." <laughs> It's you again, Christian Panucci. <laughs> You're right. Josh, what is your formation? Four at the back, and then straight uh, away this is insane. Four at the back, and then one sitting in front of the back four. Yeah, yeah DMC. Two in the middle. Yeah, uh, a man in the hole because in terms of matches ninety seven, ninety eight, having a player in the hole yeah. was tantamount. It was cheap mode. Yeah, it was. Cheap, it was, it was they, yeah. They'd score thirty goals a season. Yeah. And then two up front. Yeah. So it was a four-one-two-one-two. Yeah, that's exactly straight up the middle. Um, Have you ever met a nineties footballer? Luckily, I've actually met a few. Yeah, Um, I I went to the um, the Arsenal film, the eighty-nine film, last year. So I met a load of where was the premiere for that? It was at um, the Odeon on Holloway Road. Of course, it was. And it was it was brilliant. Was it full of Arsenal players? It was full of Arsenal players, but they had like a press screening, and then there was like the players screening, and I I wasn't didn't have an invite to like the after party or anything we were like let's just go and let's just see if we can get in and literally just bold like straight in there like are you here for the uh, Steve yeah Bold's the Arsenal just, Steve yeah. Bold straight well, in there <laughs> Steve Bold was like there like and then it was brilliant because I'd done a podcast with Perry Groves before and he was like hello Alex and I was like Oh right, Perry, and he was like, "Let me introduce you to a load of people." He's like, "This is this is Tony Adams." I was like, right, Tony Adams. <laughs> I was literally, I was losing my mind, yeah. and especially when um, Michael Thomas's wife wanted a photo with me, and I was like, "Do you mind if I also get one with you, please?" <laughs> it was unbelievable. But the best thing about that was that night ended with me going to a bar with um, Alan Davis and Steve Bold, and we got absolutely smashed. I remember like drinking shots with him at two you remember I came in when I came into last leg yeah. the next day two hours late couldn't have cared less <laughs> it was amazing it was one of the greatest nights of my life it was brilliant absolutely brilliant if I'd have been like a proper if I'd have been my age in 1989 with the way that that season finished I wouldn't I wouldn't have coped I, I wouldn't have coped I was, Do you remember I was nervous you'd still be on that of, night out now yeah I was nervous in the first half against would, Leicester the other day <laughs> would you have gone up to Anfield oh yeah definitely 100% tried to go and it was amazing and would you, would you have had a Champions Night 99 shirt on underneath <laughs> I'd have probably spoiled that wonderful shirt with something awful like that but it was amazing because in the pub afterwards there was like um, in the film there's loads of photos from fans on the coach and there was this bloke who just walks up to me in his pub. He was like, here, have a look at these photos. And I was thinking, what's going to be in this pack of old pack of photos? And it was all like photos from the coach. Oh, all wow, on the way up. Wow. And it was just like, wow, what an amazing yeah. time to have lived. And the fact that the players went back afterwards and just went to like a club in North London yeah, where yeah. there were loads of fans. And this bloke's like, yeah, I've still got Alan Smith's tie. And it's just like, <laughs> what a time to be the fan that was. I mean, it would never happen now. No. But even if Mustafi did come into a club afterwards, <laughs> I would be like, can I have your tie? <laughs> I'd be like, we've done this in spite of you and your defensive <laughs> slip-ups. Right, so as an Arsenal fan, what you've yes. come here today to discuss yeah. is, uh, it's a new format for us, but we'd like to focus on the negative. We don't want your best ever Arsenal eleven. We want your worst Arsenal eleven of the 90s. Okay, so you've submitted this. Yeah, I have submitted it. Um, you know, the thing is, though, so Chris players... doesn't know any. Chris hasn't looked at this. Me and Michael have looked at the eleven. Just yeah. What I've tried to do is to provide you with the eleven and try and find a little bit of trivia on some of them because yeah. some of the players, you know, it's 
like later nineties, I'm okay with, but some of the early nineties, I was a bit bit younger. So yeah. so also my judgment of what made a good player when I was like nine or ten or eleven, I had yeah. to like ask like the guy who I sit next to asked him now. I was like. You know, was John Jensen was he really was he really rubbish? That was like my first name on John Jensen. Yeah. He was like, no, he was like, yeah, okay, he didn't score, but he was still a half decent player. Yeah, he was just not, you know, he's kind of in the George Graham system. He yeah. just had to sacrifice. Well, it's because he scored a great goal in the European Championship yeah. for Denmark. Everyone presumed he was like this goal scorer, but that's not what he was at all. Yeah, it was also just my John Jensen trivia for you. Yeah. Was came back as caretaker manager of Denmark. Yeah, you remember when they had the falling out, the FA had the falling uh, out yeah, and all yeah, the players yeah. had binned off. He was gonna he was gonna take over as caretaker manager. Really? Yeah. Was also an assistant at Blackburn. Assistant manager under Steve Keane. No, you're not yes, even looking at your bullet no, points. No, this, this is, is just no, this is just this stuff is out of the This was just other John Jensen stuff. <laughs> that, this is just bonus. Yeah, just this didn't make the cut. Just in case I ever needed it. Steve Keane, wasn't Steve Keane the really bad Yeah. And John Jensen was there. Was he? Yeah, I don't know how it happened. But anyway. Michael can't believe he doesn't know this. <laughs> yeah. He's making notes, Michael. Look. <laughs> Michael runs quizzes on this kind of shit. <laughs> well, I'm going to cut this out of the podcast and use it as my own knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so, in goal, we've got yeah. Vince Bartram. Vince Bartram. Oh, yes. Vince Bartram. So, I think with each one we should say to Skull... That name, what do you know? So the, when I think of Vince Bartram, I think of your uh, black and grey goalkeeper's kit with a star in the middle. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and the other thing I think is that he was quite good. I remember him, I think he might have played against West Ham, but I remember thinking, oh, the thing about Arsenal is you've always had good sub-keepers throughout the ages. Like even when even when Seaman came in, John Lucas was number two. I'd have said he was all right. And do you remember Alex Meninga for God's sake? Alex Meninga, Alex Meninga was, was incredible. What I liked about Alex Meninga is he looked like he was about fifteen, so you could yeah. kind of imagine like it just being like one of your mates in goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of looked, and the way he used to like dive on everything, like you do when you're like a kid. That's what I, I, but uh, he, I, he had very he had very rouged cheeks, didn't he, Alex yeah, Meninga? He did. Very rouged yeah. cheeks. The other thing we ha- that hasn't really come up on our podcast is that I grew up thinking substitute goalkeepers were rubbish and it was a massive advantage if a substitute goalkeeper came on this may have been influenced by sensible soccer where the sub goalies were always rubbish yeah. so Vince Bartram I'm, like, I'm sure I saw Vince Bartram play games and thinking well Arsenal are going to concede four or five here and I, that never happened so maybe I'm like for Vince Bartram the problem was that David Seaman was just really good so he was never he was never ever going ever gonna to get in the team um, my trivia for Vince Bartram is that he later went on to play for Gillingham and his career ended when he got a wrist injury because he collided with Tony Warner, the goalkeeper, I think it was from Millwall, had come up for a corner in the last and minute they collided the and So he got injured colliding with another goalkeeper. <laughs> that has got to be a... What, what, a, what a way to bring the curtain down. <laughs> also, Tony Warner was a kind of reserve at Liverpool, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. There was kind of that... It was a bit of a circuit, like you had Tony Warner. <laughs> Liverpool also had Mike Hooper. Do you remember Mike, Mike Hooper? Hooper? Yeah. Didn't he play for Newcastle? Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. think he went on to be a reserve keeper at Newcastle. It's one of the most compelling characters in football, I think. When you know you're never going to be first choice keeper. Yeah. Like the third choice keeper at Chelsea. Like Cudicini was there for years and didn't play. Like what's your daily routine? Like, like, what, what goes on? From Green at Chelsea? Yeah, well yeah. Richard Wright ended his career at City. <laughs> as the first choice goalkeeper. I'm like, how... Do- I imagine, right, do you reckon if I'd have had, like, WhatsApp 
back then they'd have had like a little WhatsApp group. What, you know, reserve like goalies? Reserve goalie WhatsApp group and they're just all <laughs> slagging off. You know, it's like, oh God, Steve Grizovich is doing my nuts today. <laughs> really hoping he's going to get a thumb injury or something like that. I'd love to know the money to games ratio. Like who earned the most money but played the least games? Yeah. Richard uh, Wright must be a contender. You know, Wright, definitely. Yeah. My favourite thing about reserve, I think Cudicini. Cudicini, didn't he go from Chelsea to Spurs and stay as reserve goalie? Yeah, he was Maybe he's just a great lad. Like, he's really good to have around the dressing room. <laughs> um, my favourite thing a reserve goalie can do is when it cuts to the bench and they're wearing the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why are you wearing that you have time? Um, I've got a little reserve goalie bit of trivia or factoid. My dad sponsored the match ball, West Ham versus QPR in 1994, and we got into the ground for a tour at 12 p.m., uh, 12 midday. The kickoff was three. Get in there at 12. Les Seeley, our reserve goalie, was already strapped up, boots like shin pads on, uh, ready to go three hours before the game. Where was he was the, ready. Where he was, was the ready. Rest of the team? No one was in the dressing room. It was a tour of the dressing rooms. He's already in there, strapped oh, up, ready to go. So that's no one else around. That's a difference then. The reserve goalie was ready. Now, you see a reserve goalie, if they think the keepers, it's like they look as if they say, You're joking, I've got to come on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see Vince Bartram play? Yeah, I must have seen Vince Bartram play. I can't remember it, but I know that. He wasn't like very good, and like apparently they used to cheer when his goal kicks went uh, further than the halfway line. <laughs> That's going to knock his confidence. <laughs> um, but he he came from Bournemouth, and he just I always think it's a sign of players where they come from and then where they go straight back to. Yeah, and he came from like a lower league, and then he went straight back down. <laughs> to like lower leagues, and it's all pretty much all of these players have done yeah. that that I've got in this 11. My next one is yeah. Paul Leiderson. So I don't know Paul Leiderson. Paul Leiderson was a Norwegian fullback who'd been brought in to challenge um, Dixon and Winterburn. And by Venga. Yeah, and no, he was brought in by um, George Graham. He was oh, one of the players. Was Paul Leiderson, along with John Jensen, was one of the players that were named in the old... Bung oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Lovely stuff. And yeah, Paul just, he never made it and swiftly went back to Norway. Imagine being a player at a squad and the manager's popular in the squad and then the manager gets sacked and the reason is because he's taken a bung to sign you and then you're still in that squad. I mean, it must be so humiliating. Yeah. My other fullback is Nelson Vivas. Oh. Purely now, Nelson Vivas, you might say, actually, probably wasn't that bad. He played for Argentina as a half decent fullback, but Nelson Vivas is in this purely because I hate him. <laughs> and the reason why I hate him completely is for the second to last game in the 98 99 season. We played Leeds away. If we'd have won, United never would have won that treble. We'd have definitely, we did beat Villa at home in the next game, but all we had to do was basically avoid defeat. Essentially, what, actually, no, I think we needed to win. I think we needed to win because it was one of Woodgate's first games for Leeds, and he was unbelievable in that game. And another one of our. Um, so did Arsenal nearly win the league in 1999? Yeah, yeah, ma- like massively nearly won the league. Actually, didn't I think United it was one point. Win it? I yeah, think it was one point. Yeah, like wow, really, that was re- really- yeah, yeah, it was insane. It was like the, the second to last game of the season, and I seriously thought I thought we were better in 98, 99 what we were in 97, 98 at times. Some of the football we were playing was 
was brilliant. Well, that was really... the semi-final was yeah. the tipping point. Again, that's how close it came. Bergkamp penalty. Yeah. Whoever in won the... that game, I think, would have won the double. The Bergkamp penalty in the FA Cup semi-final. Yeah. It's just like, come on. But Nelson Vivas lost Hasselbank on the back post when he scored. And it's the only time I've ever said the C word in front of my nan. <laughs> I got a, I got like grounded because I didn't know my name was in the room but I was just sat watching it I you didn't know she was at Alan Rose <laughs> <laughs> and I was I got yeah and I wow. hate Nelson Vivas for I've always hated him ever since then because I think I've blamed him so the other day I thought to myself I've really carried this hatred for a while I'm just going to watch some highlights on YouTube of the game it was actually a hard, it was a very good ball from Harry Kill first of all <laughs> yeah. and I don't think that Vivas is the only Arsenal defender there that was too static. But I, I'm not going to drop the... I've carried the hatred for too long. Yeah, so I'm not going right. to drop it because what, of that. What would it you do Vivas if you met Nelson Vivas? Just so, like, how do you not see? Like, he's their best He's their best player. How do you not know where he is at that moment in time? So, I, I, yeah, I really... Um, I, that's why I'd never play as Plymouth on a computer game because my view of their players on a computer game would infect my view of them in real life yeah. well, and got, vice versa I've got a treat for you on that front because there's someone in this worse than 11 can I skip between defenders yeah, and go people? for it go so for my it. other person from that game at Ellen Road that infamous game is my, one of my strikers which is Carba Diawara who right. we got from Bordeaux and he played in that game bear in mind he was awful I've he, never heard of Carba he Diawara was absolutely rubbish at the time we had like a, you know you had Bergkamp and Anelka they, they were the two and like you know you had uh, Canu as well I think had, had already signed at that time yeah and Carbadil Wire was signed and basically in this game he alright and he did hit the post he hit the bar of a header and at the time I thought it was a blatant miss and since watching it back again it actually wasn't that bad a header <laughs> <laughs> but he also had a great chance which Woodgate cleared off the line and he basically never went on to really... He never did a lot for Arsenal. And was he, a, was he a classic Wenger foreign signing? Not really, in the sense that he wasn't like... I didn't think see Cabo de Juara as a prospect. <laughs> you know, Wenger signings in the, early, in the early years, you know, people like Vieira and Nelka. And like they were, you know, there were people yeah. who you, you could see had a future. Well, there was... You looked at Cabo de Juara and you didn't go... He's going to be mint in five years' time. <laughs> it was. Well, I just want to interrupt to say that Arsenal have a long history of passing substandard players on to West Ham. And I'm, I'm sad to say that Cabadiawara was one of those. Oh, was he? And he came to West Ham under Harry Redknapp. Classic Harry Redknapp signing. We're like, this guy's from Arsenal. I mean, fast forward to now with Lucas Perez. But like Cabadiawara came to West Ham and he did absolutely nothing. He was terrible. It's I think, and Jim, we signed Titi Kamara at the same time. As, as I think well. it was Titi Kamara. <laughs> <laughs> Not by the time he came to us, mate. <laughs> uh, so you had Titi Kamara, Cabadiawara, and, and, and Svetislav Todorov. We had a collection of the most average strikers you've ever seen. I can confirm that Diawara did absolutely nothing. But he was someone who was signed at that time. You know, kind of like the boost to get you over the over the line towards the end of the season. Someone who'd come up with a few goals. Like, you know, I remember when like Reyes, for all his thoughts, actually did yeah. come up with a few goals when when we went unbeaten. But like Carbo Diawara was like that signing. Someone to help out a little bit. And he didn't. He's someone who'd be able to go, never guess what, I once played with Dennis Bergham and someone would go, no you didn't. He'd be like, yeah, look at this footage of me on YouTube playing against Leeds at Ellen Road. So that's Dennis Bergham, that's me. Why Hitting is he the bar. playing against Leeds? 
I don't know why he was playing. He was just he just ended up playing. <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous. So I've brought his I've brought his record up. He played twelve times for Arsenal, scored zero goals. Went to Marseille, played fifteen times, scored zero goals. Went to Paris Saint Germain, played fourteen times, scored zero goals. What? Went to Blackburn Rovers, played five games, scored zero goals. Went to West Ham, played eleven games, scored zero goals. That's this man. guy is a striker. Blimey, so he, I thought he came straight from Arsenal. How many clubs is that? How many years is there between if him? He was a centre half. That's a really great career. <laughs> <laughs> so he never scored like how many goals? His career, he scored sixty-five in three hundred and forty-one appearances, league goals. But there is a run of one, two, three, four, five, six different clubs where he didn't score a single goal. That's <laughs> but why are people signing him? And I love that. You know. find those strikers sometimes on Wikipedia. You'll like look at a striker and they'll have a strike right where they've never scored more than five in a season. Yeah. And you're like, was he amazing at holding up play? <laughs> like, what's a manager seeing in that player? Yeah. Have you seen that film that's come out about that guy that pretended to be a footballer? Yeah, Kaiser. Kaiser. Yeah. Kaiser. But maybe Carba Diaz pulled the same thing. So he had the he had the most bants of any footballer you've ever met. I look at Carba Diaz and I don't think he had any bants. <laughs> I don't think he had anything going for him. If you could banter with one of Arsenal Wenger's foreign signings, who would it be? Oh. Can I, can I float a name? Yeah. Gil, Gil Grimonde. <laughs> Does he look like, he look like a lot of fun? He looked like a lot of fun. What, because he had curly hair? Yeah, a bit of fun. Oh, he looked like a supply teacher. <laughs> Isn't that what you want from a bit of banner? He looked like he was in the Lars or Cast or something, Gil yeah. Grimonde. He looked like he was in a bad kind of indie band. From, not that the Lars are bad. Do you know who I wouldn't banter with? Ian Wright. I think it'd be a bit intense. <laughs> A lot of emojis. We all like, enjoy a bit of banter, but like, he's like, there's no stop to the banter. <laughs> so then you go, oh, I'm really tired now, righty. Can we have a stop to the banter? He's just like, no, more emojis. <laughs> more banter. <laughs> I love Ian Wright. What do you reckon Ian writes like, when the lights go off at night? What do you think is going through his head? I reckon he's laughing. <laughs> I reckon he lays in bed at night just chuckling because he's just got such a love of life in football. He's just sat there like laughing about the time of like Wenger's pudding slipped off his plate in the training ground. He just goes to sleep laughing. You know when you see footage night. of like a dog that's asleep that's like running and having a great time? <laughs> yeah. Ian writes the human equivalent yeah, of that. He just loves loves his life. Right, let's go back. So we've got right. Vince Bartram in goal. Yeah. So Nelson Vivas. Yeah. And, and, and Paul Iderson. Are they your fullbacks? They're our fullbacks. Centre so half. Who are you having at centre half? Centre half. We have somebody called Jason Crow. <laughs> now, now, Jason Crow is one of my favourite names in in this list because he came on for his debut in the League Cup against Birmingham in '97 in extra time, and he got sent off after 33 seconds <laughs> for a high tackle. <laughs> for a high tackle. For a high tackle, and it is the fastest sending off. A debut sending off in English That's football mad. history. That's crazy. Is that? Yeah. 33 seconds. But what I love is... he. How, only, what do you think's going through your mind? Do you think you're just too pumped up? It's just like... I think he's just like... I'm playing for Arsene Wenger. This is, I've got to do something to stand out from the rest. <laughs> I know what I'll do. I'll go and put my foot in someone's shoulder. <laughs> do you think 33 seconds is marked from the moment of impact... Or the moment the red card's shown. Because that's probably 10 seconds after the moment of impact. Yeah, You're dealing with 30 seconds of faff to to even administer a red card. Whistle to whistle, surely. Have you you still got Dermot Gallagher's number? (laughs) (laughs) Just send him a text and ask. God, can you imagine what it's like? That two minute surrounding that, the emotions that Jason Crowe's gone through. The excitement... 
Then getting on and going, right, control yourself. But just to think back then, so it's 97, there's no mobile. So his mum must have been there going, oh God, Jason's coming on, I've got to tell the family. By the time she's got to the home phone, <laughs> she's gone out the room into the hallway. He's on. No, he's not on anymore. He's, he's off. He's off. <laughs> oh man, that's so amazing. 33 seconds. And then... Imagine walking past the bench on the way down the tunnel. Having done that. <laughs> How are you feeling at that point? Do you know what? That has never been the start of a great football career. No one goes, interesting fact about Zidane, got sent off after 33 seconds on his first time game. You get sent off at the end once you've won a World Cup. That's what you I think do. he only played like another two games. I, before he was shipped off. I had Jason Crow. Um, this is going to get a bit championship manager this episode, I know. But Jason Crow, so at the start of 97, 98, which is the definitive championship manager. Um, yes, it is, Michael. What's your view? <laughs> well, I'm a fan of the every modern version, so it's, oh, it's not relevant to this <laughs> 90s podcast. You're like people that still listen to Paul McCartney albums. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, in 97, 98, there were certain players that would always start on a free transfer because they'd just be instantly released by their clubs. Yeah. So the best ones to get when you start at the bottom were Graham Tomlinson, who'd been released by Man U and would score yeah. 30 goals in the hole straight away. <laughs> by the way, people that don't know, that's a position on the pitch. That's not, <laughs> not, not, my, not my terminology for goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, Graham Tomlinson, but Jason Crow had always been released by Arsenal. I think he was... He was actually listed as a defender midfielder, right? Ah. Well, there's a reason why he got released. (laughs) (laughs) So, So who completes your defence? There can only be one person that would complete any worst Arsenal team defence, and that is Mr Gus Caesar. Yes. The, The legendary Gus Caesar. Is he legendary mainly due to Nick Hornby? He's legendary mainly due to the fact he was rubbish. And Nick Hornby really eloquently wrote about it. But yeah, I mean, Gus Uzer, even though technically he didn't really play a lot and he did leave Arsenal in 91, he has to go in it because he is... If you say to any Arsenal fan, one of my first things I learned about Arsenal is that, yeah, Gus Caesar was... Like, Anfield 89 was one of the greatest things that's ever happened. Gus Caesar was rubbish. It's like those sort of things that you could like, yeah. little bits of knowledge that made you a fan that you knew. The Ten Gus Caesar was being an Arsenal Gus fan. Caesar's air kick against Luton in the League Cup oh. final. Are you aware of him, Scott? Well, only through fever pitch. And, I, like, and as soon as you said he's in your worst 11, I felt there's a lot of sympathy towards Gus Caesar. But I always like the I way read, Nick Hornby paints him uh, is sympathetic. Can I read the bit from fever pitch? To get where he did, Gus Caesar clearly had more talent than nearly everyone in his generation and still wasn't quite good enough. Gus must have known he was good, just as any pop band who's ever played the marquee know they're destined for Madison Square Garden and an enemy front cover, just as any writer who's sent off a completed manuscript to Faber and Faber knows he's two years away from the Booker Prize. You trust that feeling with your life. You feel the strength and determination it gives you coursing through your veins like heroin and it doesn't mean anything at all (laughs) (laughs) such a good bit of writing so true so much better than people going if you follow your dreams you will get there (laughs) it's funny when Nick Hornby writes about that he makes Gus he's a human but as a football fan you don't care about that you just think you're rubbish get off I was reading that he years and years ago he was like ended up doing like an Arsenal soccer school like with, with the club in Hong Kong 
And like for people who go, so did you like you know former Arsenal player Gus Caesar? They've got no idea those kids that he's teaching just how bad. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, if there's if there's a kid at the back who's making a decent clearance. He couldn't do that at Wembley <laughs> against Luton. So, <laughs> Alex, tell me how bad was Gus Caesar? Like, like watching him play it. He's, it's like folklore. Like I watched before uh, when I was on the train down to London yesterday. I watched again like the highlights of that League Cup final, and it's just horrendous. And in Fever Pitch, like Nick Hornby writes about that, the signs were there. It was oh, like yeah. a moment, like there was a game against Tottenham where he just looked, like Waddle just turns him inside out. I think the phrase he used was like when the parents like playing with their child in the garden and they can't get the ball off them. And he, he just like, the signs were there. Into the midfield now. Okay. You were talking before about players that were like good on computer games and it clouds your judgment of them. Alberto Mendes. Yeah, I've never was, heard of Alberto. Alberto Mendes. He was like signed in like the same summer as a Nel Capetti and Overmars. So it was just like they were oh, mint. Really? Like Wenger's on a roll here. All these players are great, and he weren't. He was absolutely. <laughs> Where's terrible. he from? We signed. This is like this is absolute classic Wenger. We signed him from like a German non-league side. <laughs> it was like so low down in the German league. Like, and then Wenger's plucked him, but you think he must be good. And also, he wasn't that. He was a half decent on Champ Manager '97, '98. He was like, really was. Decent. Was he at Arsenal by that point on Champ Manager? Or yeah, he was at Arsenal at the start of that game. And no, he was just he just wasn't anywhere good enough. And again, when I said about players, where they go afterwards, he went straight back down like the lower leagues. Do you think when you get signed by Arsenal, like he's he must have had that thought you had? He must have thought Vieira, Petit, Overmars. Yeah, this if you're surrounded by all these people that Wenger spotted, he's also spotted you. You must be like, yeah, here we go. I think I'm good. Yeah. Also. Don't know if you played Champ Manager 97 or 8. I'm good on that, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good playing a few positions across the midfield. You're touching on a subject that I've often thought about. Like that first training session with new players. Like the manager's got faith in you. You must know in that first training session that other players are sizing you up. Oh, it must be awful. It must be like first day of the school, pressure, especially like a lot of old pros as it was yeah. in the early 90s. Like a lot of established characters. And you're turning up and it's like, let's see if this guy's any good. Imagine the pressure of that. That story that Ray Parler tells about Colo Toro. I've not heard that. that he, there's a story about when like one of his first training sessions, like he went through, he went through like Jeremy, and I think he went through Wenger as well. <laughs> <laughs> you have to listen to it. just Colo Toro, which is fucking crazy. Yeah. And it was like when he was on like trial You should see Jason like Crowe's first training yeah. session. <laughs> you know, we were talking about strikers on Wikipedia who've got awful goals to game ratio. Yeah. I bet if you looked up... Uh, Ali Adier's goals to game ratio. I don't remember him ever scoring a goal. The thing with Ali Adier was he'd always do really well in like a League Cup game and you'd be like, well, I'll tell you what, if he's done this against Rotherham in the League Cup, (laughs) what is he going to do in the Premier League? Jeremy Ali Adier, who eventually ended up at West Ham. I think it's worth pointing out. Do you know the thing about, I remember Ali Adier, he went out with that, he went out with a uh, a model, didn't he? He had that, was it like Layla or Lila? He had a quite famous girlfriend. Leilani. 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 He was going Leilani. And that was a very exciting time as a West Ham fan. Leilani Just was available in a free transfer. I don't remember Ali had the air scoring for us. But again, more dross. North, yeah. north to East London. Come on in. you as well. 
Suka, yeah, Devil Suka. I mean, going back to the eight, like Liam Brady, we had Hearts and Off. Yeah, Chris, Ian Wright. Ian Wright, obviously, yeah. Laughing all the way Great to times. the Park. <laughs> Nigel Winterburn, we could go on and on. Uh, so, have you found it, Michael? Yeah, so for a centre forward that played 29 league games for Arsenal, he scored a single goal. Went to Celtic, didn't score a goal. Went to West Ham, didn't score a goal. Wow. <laughs> scored two on loan at Wolves in 14 games. Found a bit of form at Middlesbrough. Uh, this is way past the 90s, but 11 and 78. And then he just plummets down the 11 and 78? 11 and 78, he's found a bit of form. Do you know what? <laughs> My- Almost <laughs> one in six. I'm sure that he popped up. like They do like these Legends games. We played AC Milan a couple of seasons ago, played Real Madrid this season. And I'm sure Ali Adier started the game at the Emirates at right back. <laughs> I'm really sure he did. Right. Legends in the loosest sense of the word. I was like hung over, like, <laughs> looking on Arsenal.com. Like, is that the idea? Right back. Uh, and Michael, feel free to Wikipedia Lalani, see what she's up to now. A goal record's better than Ali yes. <laughs> so that's Alberto Mendes in midfield. With- so next we've got... Neil Heaney. Now, Neil Heaney, I'd never heard of before, but according to Dave, who sits next to me at Arsenal, he was terrible. <laughs> he was absolutely awful. And the other reason when I, was, I wanted Neil Heaney in this was for this bit of trivia, and that is that he's now the CEO of a company that helped people in legal battles with overseas investors for property disputes. So if you've gone to Spain <laughs> and been done over by the, by the builders... Neil Heaney's your man. <laughs> That's a good one for our Phil Thompson director of players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's log but, uh, it. Now, that is a bit of knowledge now that I know that if I was in that situation, I would go to Neil Heaney. Yeah. Um, because you have mentioned a lot of players that went to West Ham. Neil Heaney ended up at Plymouth Argyle. Lovely. And uh, it was in our championship winning team, championship as in League Two championship, of 0-1-0-2. He was very much on the bench for most of that season and then he uh, retired and lost a load of money in property investment <laughs> yeah. I think he did it was like he was one of them and then he went and like thought I'm not having this I'm not having this at all are you ready yeah. for a, ready for a Le- Leilani Dowding update oh please yeah. googled her link to her official fan club website leilanifanclub.co.uk click through the link this site is now closed <laughs> yeah. take- more, more as it happens um, so we've got Heaney Mendes next up we've got Eddie McGoldrick yes, yes. Now, yes. Eddie McGoldrick like I knew Eddie McGoldrick wasn't amazing but he was signed from Palace and we'd also got Ian Wright from Palace it was like there was a lot expected of Eddie McGoldrick because Ian Wright had done so well and it just never really happened for him like he scored like one goal I think and we beat like standard Liège in the Cup Winners Cup we beat him 7-0 and he was like one of the scorers and that, I think that was about it but my other favourite... I was looking for, like, Eddie McGoldrick facts. I don't really have a fact, but I have an opinion from one fan on an Arsenal forum, and it looked like... It was like a really old-style website, so it's, it just stayed up. And he said... He called it... He said, Eddie McGoldrick... Like, they were talking about worse 11s, and he just put, Eddie McGoldrick, that C-word purely because he wanted to take every set piece even though he was shit <laughs> you get those players yeah he thought that he used to try and play these like really, apparently really high looping corners. that's what it says on on his wikipedia he says he was he was known for taking Arsenal's corner kicks with an unorthodox looping style 
Which blows my... What do you think that was? Is he doing like, it on purpose? Well, like a, like a chip, like a sandwich. He's just sort of like... Dipping <laughs> yeah, like is he really... He's gone height again. You know, like when you whack it in the air and it's like, who's it... You know that thing where you do like... Where you drop kick the ball as high as possible and then you try and control it? Yeah. If you like played a one short corner, one, two, chipped it up, and then rather than a kind of swirling cross... You hit the ball as high as you could. Just let it drop. Into the area. And I suppose the goalie would just catch it. Yeah. It's, like, it's an awful no, idea. No, that's the mixer, though. It's chaos. You yeah, never know. Yeah. A bit of barge. The goalkeeper, when it's up in the air that much, I mean, he's got too much time to think, do I come for yeah. it? Yeah. There's a sea of bodies in front of him. Eddie, we talked before about how I, when I hear the name Stan Lazaridis, I always have to say, what bamboo? Now, I had Eddie McGoldrick on a computer game. And for some reason... I made him up in my head. I had a little theme tune for him, and whenever I hear the name Eddie McGoldrick, I don't know why, it just went da 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 da, Eddie McGoldrick, da 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 da, Eddie McGoldrick, and in my head when I hear Eddie McGoldrick, that's all I can think. Uh, and we just we've discussed these earworms before, yeah, yeah, we? but like, not not that one. Was I there was there like a backing track, like a sort of in my head? There's like. Like a synthy sort of like. <laughs> yeah, like a kind of 80s synthy. Like John Carpenter. Um, yeah. I can't believe you just said, I have an earworm about Eddie McGoldrick, but I thought you were going to say it, but it's not this. It's not what you've just said. It's what? Eddie McGoldrick, la 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 la, out in the country, la 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 la. What's that? Eddie. I don't know. It's in my head. <laughs> Hello at quicklykevin.com if that rings any bells. I'm not, I'm not holding out for that. I'm going to have so much fun making jingles out of both of those. <laughs> Before we move on, Michael, can you put some rousing music under the Gus Caesar um, reading? Done. So, Eddie McGoldrick. Yes. I was just always think of Eddie McGoldrick when I used to play, like, play sensible soccer. Well, that's when always... I had him. Da-da-da-da. Eddie McGoldrick. <laughs> I never had that. <laughs> no, I don't think it came with the game. <laughs> yeah, did, you didn't get the Eddie McGoldrick souvenir edition? Of no, it. sadly not. I wonder why I came up with that. I don't imagine you were busy that day. <laughs> I don't think I sat down to compose it. I think it just came to me. <laughs> like, you know when Paul McCartney dreamt yesterday? <laughs> I dreamt... Eddie McGoldrick. But can you imagine the beat behind it? <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, right, so who we got across the middle? So now, so we've got... In there, we've got McGoldrick, Mendes, Heaney, and to complete our midfield, Glenn Helder. Oh, yes. yes. Glenn Helder, absolute... Like George Graham's, like late signings, three of them. Well, I've looked, looked up Glenn Helder on Wikipedia, and it says he was George Graham's final signing. George Graham left a week after he signed. Imagine how he must have felt. And he's like, yes, yeah, so and the manager's got loads of faith in that. <laughs> the manager's gone, Glenn. And apparently, a lot of the players really disliked him. Really? Because he was always on about money, and he was really, really flash. Like, really flash. He was oh. flashing the way that he played. Like, he'd do, like, an amazing bit of skill and then, like, fall over <laughs> the next minute. Or anything that Martin Tyler... Any, uh, not Eddie McGoldrick. I've got it in my head now. Eddie <laughs> McGoldrick. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn Helder's home debut. Martin Tyler called it um, the finest home debut you will ever see. Really? Yeah. My Tyler? I read it in an article that, like, Tyler loved it. Glenn Helder's debut so much. So was, was there a point amazing. when Glenn Helder was going to be a big deal? When we signed Helder, we got signed Glenn Helder, John Hartson, and Chris Caromia really close together. And it was at a time when Graham had said that we had no money. And then all of a sudden came in with like these free players. But there was a bit of hope for him because it's like, you know, a Dutch winger, 
Like yeah. he was quite he was quite tricky. He was he was fast, but he just he was awful. And was it, Bruce was it a classic Rio, no final ball. Absolutely. But that whole that team that that team ninety four ninety five. You know we got to the Cup Winners Cup final where we lost to Zagoffa. I mean, it just apart from defence, it was just a it was a mess really. Like some of the signings. I always think of, of Glenn Heldy in the kind of you know the the blue like lightning kit. Oh, oh yeah. But Bruce Rioch when he came in because after Stuart Hewson was caretaker, Bruce Rioch came in and he thought that Glenn Helder was too flash, so he told him to cut his hair, and he made him. So Glenn Helder turned up the next season with like a shaved head, and was still rubbish. <laughs> of course, <laughs> nah, it was it's not that. Do. It's not the well, air. Yeah, We've ruled he that. Turned out. up, didn't he have dreadlocks? Yeah. And he turned up with dreadlocks and then he had his hair cut off because Bruce Rioch had, had, had told him that to get to get rid of if his If you hair. want to get as good as Jason McAteer and Alan Stubb were at Bolton <laughs> for me. Um, so, but what's also interesting about Glenn Helder is what he went on to do afterwards. He actually ended up going on to do stand-up. Yes. There was like a show in Holland where they it was basically a celebrity stand-up. And wow. Glenn Helder went on, went on to do that. I think it's mainly observational stuff. Don't you hate it when a manager signs you and then he gets <laughs> sacked for taking bugs? He's bums? got some lovely stuff about homemade Edam cheese, which you'd love. <laughs> <laughs> There's not many stand-ups that I'd, on a night off, decide to go and watch with my free time. But if you said to me that you had tickets <laughs> to Glenn Helder at Harris with Apollo, I would bite your fucking hand <laughs> off. Do you remember when you, in the early days of Last Leg... Convince me that Don Hutchison was doing an Edinburgh show <laughs> behind the front man. <laughs> that was Tom Crane convinced so, you. You also yeah, I, I certainly agreed with him. When you were like, yeah, he's absolutely he's doing an Edinburgh show. It's called Behind the Front Man. I was like, Don Hutchison, he's doing stand up, and you're like, yeah, yeah. I would go to see any '90s footballer do stand up. Right, this is an item for the Quickly Kevin TV show. Oh yeah. Who, which footballer would you most like to see do stand up? I reckon Steve Morrow would do a lovely bit about being dropped oh, yeah. and breaking yeah. his collarbone. He'd come out in like a sling and be like, remember <laughs> this? <laughs> he dropped the mic. Yeah. I, would, I would say uh, Ginola, but specifically he's an 80s comedian smoking on stage and I'm watching him in LA and he's sat on a stool. Yeah. And he's really, really poor. Like He's taking his time over his set. He's got like a Bill Hicks vibe. Yeah, like, Bill Hicks. Right totally. neck. I'd, I'd like a kind of busy midfielder doing a lot of puns. <laughs> David Batty doing a string of puns. <laughs> Gary Mabbott doing essentially a Tim Vine set. <laughs> I'd, I'd happily watch them do other people's material. I'd just be interested to see how it would go. Okay, okay. Pick who your would you kick, love yeah. to see do your material? Oh, who'd be the best footballer to do my stand-up? Who's a kind of world-weary footballer? <laughs> Laura, a journey, I man. think Laura would do a good... <laughs> Laura, 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 doing your own material. Laura, Come on. Laura doing stuff. So Why are money. we wasting our time here? <laughs> Why don't we start and just leave now and make this happen? Oh, I'd pay so much money to for just a night of 90s footballers doing stand-up. I'm going to check what time the last train from Preston is. <laughs> uh, Alex, Michael McIntyre's material. Who Pick your 90s footballer. Oh. Michael McIntyre. Lasso. Lasso. <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> so did a great job of it. I'd love to give Michael Owen some material. Oh yeah, he's very dry. Imagine he... if Michael Owen was doing like Russell Kane's material. Everyone <laughs> 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 would be so confused. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd love to see Mike alone talking about the people on Love Island. <laughs> uh, does that complete your midfield? No, yeah. it does. It completes your midfield, but there is one last one striker. name for the team sheet. And that's Chris Kwamia. Yeah. We mentioned him before. Again, just another one of son is long with Helder. Like, you know, Hartson actually wasn't too bad. He actually went on... Hartson had a decent career afterwards, didn't he, really? Yeah. Half decent. With West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Kwame's in there. Because he was, again, was... I thought... He actually wasn't that bad at Ipswich. No, he no. did well. And he I, did well. It's and still in was, my head, I think he's a good Arsenal player. Was he really no, not No, he good? barely scored. He, he barely scored and went out. He... I think he spent like a load of years on loan in Limbo. And he actually spent like another three years at Arsenal... Like just going out on Was he one of those players where you forget they still play for your team? Yes. I'm sure Arsenal's still got a player called Wellington who's been <laughs> going out on loan every season for the last... <laughs> Some of the air. Oh, Jack Wilshaw ended up at West Ham as well, didn't he? Mate, any... What is going on Any there? old rubbish. Send it to East London. Oh, Jack's not any old rubbish. No, he's not. He's just been unlucky. Yeah, I like him. Oh, I like him. Can I just say on Chris Kawamia to tie it up, he was one of the best... Uh, free transfers on 97 yes, 100% he was absolutely brilliant he was also one of those players when you collect stickers you know there's always one player every year there's a massive abundance of stickers for I remember having about 50 Chris Kawamba <laughs> yes pack. do you think that's how Arsenal made their signings <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go through your 11 Alex and I'm going to ask you a few quick questions Bartram Vivas Lydeson Crow, Caesar. McGoldrick, Helder, Heaney, Mendes, Kawamia, Diawara. Who's taking your corners? <laughs> <laughs> and who are you having as captain of that team? Gus Caesar. Yeah. Gus Caesar has to be captain. Just purely because... Yeah, actually, he's probably the one that people would be most fond of. Yeah. yeah. Who's, who's your manager? Oh! There's only four to choose from, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Well... Stuart Houston still like, when he came in as caretaker he did alright so it'd probably be Bruce Real oh, awful news for oh. Glenn Helder's haircut yeah sorry Glenn <laughs> not this season mate <laughs> keep the razor mate uh, it was an awful team um, did you enjoy supporting Arsenal in the 90s? I did I really did the team changed obviously towards the latter later 90s when Wenger came in everything kind of changed about the team because I was I remember like watching the FA Cup final in like 93 it was on my birthday in 93 we drew one all and it was terrible the game was terrible but that was like my mum and dad had split up at the time they'd split up like the year before so it was like a weekend with, with my dad and he was like oh we're going to watch the FA Cup final and at the time I genuinely didn't like football that much let alone like I, I kind of liked Arsenal because my, all my mates at school were Yeah. and I remember going home that night and mum's like oh what did your dad do with you for your birthday I was like oh, I watched the FA Cup final watched the football it was terrible it was so boring didn't do anything I thought he was going to like take us out to the park and stuff like that and I remember my mum having such a go at him and then like in the preceding months after that I really like that summer I really got into football I in really got into 1993 93 and like that 93 94 season I became like obsessed with it and I just remember like Asking my dad for like an Arsenal shirt, and he's like, "No, 
The shit I got into. <laughs> the cup final. And yet, I still think that's... He still, like, always slags off Arsenal now. Shall we ask our final... Uh, yeah. A, a variant of our final question, because usually we ask guests, if you could go back to January the 1st, 1990 and live it all again, would you? But I'm going to ask you a variant of that, which is that if I give you a button now and you hit it, and Arsenal's results from 1990 will mirror from now onwards. So this year would be the result from 1990, next year from 91, whatever you achieved, right up until the glory days in the late 90s. Would you go for it or would you gamble that you're going to do better than that now? Oof. So I'd have to go through the dross of 94, 95. You can have, a five, you can have five or so tough years, but it will five get better. Five or so tough years. Or you can go gamble. Is it going to get better immediately? I'm going to say... What, what would we have instead of the Cup Winners' Cup? Would we, we, we'd get to the Europa League. We'd win the Europa League. Yeah. And then we'd get to the final a year later and then somebody would score from the halfway line. <laughs> <laughs> For like sport in Lisbon or something like that. Do you know what, actually? Because it guarantees a league title in about seven years. I couldn't say that we definitely win the league title in the next seven years. But the way City are. So, yeah, I'd take it. Yeah. I'd definitely take a couple of years of... You know, you've got to bear in mind, though, like, 91, we only lost one game yeah. when we yeah. won, won the top. So... Next year, absolutely brilliant. Em- Emery in. <laughs> we only lose one game, I think it's to Chelsea, so there you go. What's the midfielder with the big hair? Gwendozy. Yeah, he's going to worry if Bruce Riot comes in in five years. <laughs> uh, Alex, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Cheers. Cheers. So that was Alex Brooker, Josh. A wonderful. My wonderful main take chat. home is how many bad players went to West Ham from Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's bizarre. The main line from North London to East London. Did you get any good players from there? John Hartson, only one. Oh, yeah. And then in the, in the meantime, all sorts of dross. It's like, you know, like a, an A&R man needs to only hit, get one hit band out of 15 he signs yeah. to make it worth it. <laughs> With West Ham and Arsenal players, it's a very similar thing. Hartson was your Coldplay. Yeah. <laughs> Great first album. Um, right, should we do a review haiku? Yeah. It's review haiku. 90s football review haiku. Review haiku. So every week we ask you to leave reviews on iTunes in the style of a haiku featuring a 90s footballer. We will read out two favourites. Mike will pick his favourite and you will win a Graham Says Hitler's mug. So here's our first one. It's from Hugh T90s and it goes like this. Steve Grzovic might have been a Croatian, couldn't get on a pitch. Yeah, no, yeah not bad. I, I enjoyed that. I, I like the use of Steve Grzovic in a haiku. I mean, that's such showboating of the highest order. And uh, we've got one here from Sunday, Monday, Ashley Bays, and it goes like this. Jacko at City, Uri, it doesn't matter if you're red or white. <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. Splendid. Who are we giving that yeah. to? I mean, only one winner there. Yeah. Sunday, Monday, Ashley Bays. Congratulations. What a wonderful comparison between the Exeter and the Yuri Geller and the Michael Jack. Oh, just wonderful. All, all in haiku form. It's my favourite haiku ever. <laughs> a very well deserved. And I don't just mean in this game, I mean ever. <laughs> Collect your Graham says Hitler's mugs at your pleasure. Can I just say also, we'd love to get Nick Hornby on this show. If anyone has a... Because we, we could email his agent, but we've found very much 
over the last two years emailing someone an agent is what is known as a dead end yeah. <laughs> so if anyone has a contact for Nick Hornby hello at quicklykevin.com don't forget we're doing a couple of live shows this week our last live shows of the year at the Hackney Empire in East London if you want to be there Wednesday night we're going to have Alan Smudger-Smith ex-Arsenal ex-England and on the Thursday night we're going to have Barry Fry I mean Barry Fry there's a few tickets left get on the Hackney Empire website just google Quickly Kevin Hackney Empire and there are a few seats left Right, now time for the quiz. Yeah, so every week we play a 90s-based football quiz. Chris and Josh go against each other and the winner gets to choose which song plays out at the end of the show. Last week, Chris won, so he's 1-0 up for the series. Little change of format this week. Before the show, so we record the show in, in my flat and we were discussing how many players have gone and used the toilet in my flat. Yeah. So what I want to know is how many caps have used my toilet? In your flat? Wow. In my flat, Can okay. I just ask a clarification question? Yeah. Are all of them related to Quitley Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So your players are Graham Lasseau, Pat Nevin, Lee Dixon, John Moncur, and Tony Dorigo. I want you to tell me collectively how many international caps those players have won nearest to the correct number wins. Do you want mine? Okay. Josh? Do you want my workings? Yes, please. Lasseau, 36. I reckon I reckon he, he played less than you think, actually, because he didn't play for that long. Okay. Nevin, I remember it was only like about 25. I remember when I was researching the interview. Yeah. Dixon, I don't think he's played more than 10, so I'm going to go 10. Okay. I might have gone too low there. Dorigo, 27. Have I gone too high there? He didn't play for a while, but he did play quite a lot under Graham Taylor. Yeah. All making 98. Chris? I've lowballed. I've lowballed that. I've gone Lasso forty, Pat yeah. Nevin ten, Lee Dixon twenty-five, and Tony Zarigo twelve. And what's that come out as? That's come out of eighty-seven. I think it's worth saying we've said John Moncur zero. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's also worth pointing out that John Moncur will appear in a later. Yes, episode. he will. <laughs> okay, so Josh has gone for ninety-eight. Chris has gone for eighty-seven. I'm going to run through them in order. Yeah. Graham Lasso. 36. Oh, I got it right. On the nose I'm for Josh. I'm on target. Pat Nevin, 28. Oh, God, I'm quite good at this. Lee Dixon, 22. Oh, no, I've had a nightmare. John Moncur, zero. Yeah. And finally, Tony Dorigo. Oh, God, has he got that far less than I thought? 15. Oh, oh I think I've I got, think got that, haven't so the total is 101. Oh, Josh I was three off. Is the winner. I thought too much of Tony Dorigo, not enough of Lee Dixon. Uh, so, uh, what song do I want to play out on? Well, there's only one thing. Can I have the, uh, the 80s Paul Hardcastle version of Eddie McGoldrick? <laughs> Thank you for listening. Next week's guest is who, Chris? Gary Neville, GNEV2, making his Quickly Kevin debut, and it is so much fun. When you say debut, I doubt it'll be back. we'll see you next week Robbie Slater see you later Eddie McGoldrick Eddie McGoldrick Eddie Eddie, Eddie McGoldrick Eddie McGoldrick Eddie McGoldrick This episode is brought to you by State Farm 
you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.